0: You're listening to The Chain, a science podcast where we bring what is new in biologics and protein engineering to the community of scientists working in this field. We discuss the latest developments with leaders who are on the front lines of cutting-edge research. Thanks for joining us on The Chain. I'm your host, Rory McCann. On today's episode, Kent Simmons discusses immunotherapy and some of the biggest advancements in this space with Dr. Tanya Novobronceva, who is the co-founder and chief scientific officer of Verso Therapeutics. Hey, Kent. Hi, Rory. Now, you're taking on a very active field, and I'm curious, how did you decide that Tanya would be the best person to dive into it for today's conversation?
1: Well, I think it was important to have somebody take this on that could get really to the high points in this space without getting lost in the weeds. And Mm. I had first encountered Tanya's way of explaining things in her teaching style when she was co-leading training at one of our conferences a few years ago called Introduction to Immunology for Drug Discovery Scientists. And the first time I saw this class being given, I came into a meeting room where the class was being held, and instead of seeing a bunch of students sitting at tables looking at a screen, I saw a bunch of people in what seemed to be a dance or, or like a yoga class, uh, moving around the room, standing up with different cards and Tanya orchestrating this class. And it, it turned out that what they were doing was imitating a human immune system and what happens under different forces to the immune system. And it was a, a great way of explaining this in, in a way that was both fun and very instructive. And so when we came to take on this field, uh, in just twenty minutes, I think her approach to distilling this down to five really high points was very useful, and I think it will be very informative both to people who work in this space every day and also to people that maybe work in related aspects of pharmaceutical r and d.
0: That sounds like an amazing class. I wish I was there. Let's get into the conversation. I'm excited to see how she breaks it down.
1: All right, Rory. Thanks, and always good to be here. Welcome to this next episode of the Chain. I'm here today with my friend uh, Tanya uh, Novolbrancova. She's a co-founder and uh, C.S.O. of Verso Therapeutics, and um, we're going to take on a challenging topic today, which is to to try to survey some very major trends and developments in the field of cancer immunotherapy in just 15 minutes. So I think we've settled on maybe we'll we'll try for just 5 of those and see how we do. But I think these are these are some areas that Tanya felt are really driving activity in this space and uh, I think this will be an interesting discussion. So Tanya, welcome to the chain today.
2: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk to you Kent as always.
1: So I think first, when we sat down to think about which of these trends we would discuss, uh, of course, by specific antibodies came up. And I wondered if you could just give us some thoughts on how you think these are evolving in cancer immunotherapy and where you think some of the major developments have been recently.
2: Absolutely. It, it has been an absolutely major development, right? And in multiple conferences and gatherings and reviews, it's it's impossible to avoid that topic for very good reason. Uh, some of the bi-specific constructs really introduce the functionality that is impossible to achieve by just combining different drugs and not making them one molecular entity. And of course that is very true for everything that engages T cells via the CD3 receptor and then brings it to the a point of action. And uh, of course, in oncology, that was trying to get that into the tumor setting and to get the cells activated right where it matters. Now people are pursuing those types of approaches even outside cancer, but cancer was the one who started that. Additionally, people, of course, are trying to combine all. Known pathways, right, and try to combine different checkpoint inhibitors in one molecule, that effort still has to produce something equivalently amazing as CD3 by specifics. And that's, for, again, for good reason, because uh, you need to hit something that really has unique biological approach right unique biological activation by inducing two pathways at the same time rather than inducing them one by one
1: Mm -hmm.
2: one of the things that everyone is watching out for though is molecule from the company we know as emd serona here which is german merck right and that combines pdo one and tgf beta inhibitors and that might actually have unique activity everyone hopes it does. And if that's true, then truly reactivation of T cells and bringing into action myeloid and fibroblast pathways, right, would be an avenue that will have some clinical proof of concept, which which would be great for the field.
1: So I think another big wave in this space is the range of innovation we're seeing around uh, CARs. And maybe some thoughts on, on that whole uh, realm these days,
2: of course. Well, again, for anyone who has been even remotely uh, following the industry, right, CAR T cells is something that that we've all heard about with humongous acquisitions and a lot of pretty amazing efficacy examples. Unfortunately, they all are centered in blood cancers today, especially in lymphomas, but again if it works it works amazingly well and there are lots and lots of attempts to try and make it work for many more indications and there is lots of engineering going into those cells because we take them out of the body right to the engineering brains of scientists immediately get engaged right and we try to make them work better and Perhaps we also engineer switches where we can turn them off because you don't need to continue having car T cells in the body after they've done their work, etc so there are lots of efforts to actually get those cells into solid tumors. It's not easy because they often cannot get there or cannot survive and of course we're lacking super tumor specific antigens on the majority of solid cancers and that has been a pretty big field for discovery for many generations of scientists, actually, and uh, we, we still lack them for majority of solid cancers. But mm-hmm. what people are doing now, right, we have just heard, I think, last week, some promising data from current case in the clinic. So there is no need to just always use T-cells for engineering. And that's, again, if it holds up in later clinical testing, that will be big because mm-hmm. it wasn't that obvious that NK cells can be expanded that well and actually reintroduced into the organism. And of course, there are a couple approaches for car macrophages, which also being a very different cell type, right, when engineered can be extremely powerful at inducing anti-tumor immune responses.
1: So maybe switching from CARS to another area that's had a lot of attention recently is the It's the whole tumor and microenvironment from, I think, both the perspective of understanding how it works and then also targeting it with therapeutics. What are your thoughts on on the whole TME attention these days?
2: Tumor microenvironment is a fascinating topic, right? Well, first of all, it includes a lot of different things, of course, because that would include really everything that surrounds the tumor. All cell types that surround the tumor, including immune system, including neovascularization, including all types of extracellular matrix, uh, of course tumor cells themselves, right? Some of them are dying, some of them are proliferating actively. Uh, so it's it's a it's a very active site when we think about this. And there is no question that T cells have been front and center. Uh In the current uh amazingly working immunotherapies, and now people are really trying to pay more attention to non T cell approaches, which I find very useful and I think that T cells again being amazing cell type that have actually validated the concept of uh immunotherapy after about hundred and fifty years in the making brought us to the point where we are, but they are far from the only cell type in the immune system. That's why really thinking about myeloid populations, where there is its own fight between a suppressive population, the tumor type tries to upkeep, and the pro-inflammatory population that attempts to reignite the immune response against it. And of course by the time the cancer patient is seeing the doctor, the immune system has lost
1: mm-hmm.
2: there are in case cell approaches again i i'd be super happy to see them working and people are starting to pay attention to fibroblasts, actually which is a very important cell type right by the nature of what it does being the both the supportive the tissue supportive and So the structural in a way cell, as well as the cell that can engage in the crosstalk pretty much with any other cell type, uh, I think that the targeting those interactions will, will become extremely important in the
0: field. We hope you're enjoying this episode of The Chain and wanted to let you know about one of my favorite events coming this spring. The 16th annual PEGS conference is taking place May 4th through the 8th in Boston, Massachusetts. PEGS brings together a wide range of programs and topics from diverse perspectives that includes a mixture of industry and academic presentations, all centered around innovation, problem solving, and sharing ideas. You can save $100 on registration with the code POD100. That's P-O-D, 100. Head over to PEGSUMMIT.com to learn more about PEGS, the Essential Protein Engineering and Cell Therapy Summit.
1: So a few years ago, when there were the first set of regulatory approvals for checkpoint inhibitors, I think it became clear pretty quickly that there were some limitations in uh, the responder populations. And that seemed to have touched off a a huge wave of experimentation with combinations in immunotherapy. And now that we have a few years of experience with these, I'm wondering, are you seeing any trends in the directions of immunotherapy combinations and maybe where these are most effective in populations?
2: That is a very, very good question and topic, right? Checkpoint inhibition, was really celebrated and deservedly so and still is being celebrated for its ability to produce long-lasting responses and i think this is really the key feature of immunotherapy and we should be striving to reproduce that in a lot more patients and a lot more indications the first data of course as we all know was uh, obtained in melanoma patients and before Checkpoint inhibitors, T cell checkpoint inhibitors uh, melanoma was a death sentence there was absolutely nothing that has ever worked, so people were absolutely terrified of that word right and now it's actually a treatable disease but yes, rightly so there are limits to how many patients even inside that indication get uh, uh, get get really the benefit of. Of immunotherapy and uh, if you saw any of the reviews that try to take into account how many combinations are in clinical testing today I would not uh, venture out and say how many there are but it's certainly in thousands so that tells everyone how important it is to expand on the efficacy that we see in checkpoints. And there were major types of combinations, right? Either combining different immune oncology drugs or combining um, chemotherapy and trying to induce immunologically active. So non-apoptotic death of, of the tumor that will enhance antigen presentation and then Help checkpoints to work, of course, combination of checkpoints with vaccine, etc. And um, we have seen quite some successes. I wouldn't say they have been as revolutionary as the checkpoint inhibition itself, because in many indications they do give additional efficacy, but the jury is still out whether it's true synergy versus combinatorial activity and perhaps on slightly different subsets of the patient population that gets the the combination. Mm -hmm. Several of them are approved, right? And I think that sort of going back to our previous question, if we have uh, something that works on different cell types, on the mechanisms that would help T cells, but not necessarily directly affect the T-cell in the same way that checkpoint inhibitors do, I think really can can make additional uh, breakthroughs and and deliver long-lasting cures that will be Mm -hmm. drug-free for the patients who don't see the benefit there yet.
1: Another side of improving response rates is to employ some kind of biomarker approach that would uh, predict responses to these therapeutics before treatment or, or predict the course of treatment early on in a progression of treatment. Where do we stand now in the discovery of biomarkers for some of these checkpoint approaches? And going forward, how do you think these uh, perhaps needs for uh, developing a companion biomarker or diagnostic are going to impact pharmaceutical development?
2: Biomarkers are superbly important, especially in a disease such as cancer, which is, I don't know how many diseases are uh, touched, right, when we say the word cancer, Um, but but certainly a lot. Um, So there are a lot of approaches to predict which patients are the best to benefit from existing therapies, namely PD1 or CTLA4 inhibition? And there are different approaches, right? Of course, we're surveying for the positivity for PDL1, for example, inside the tumor microenvironment, or looking for tumor mutation burden, or looking for the presence of CD8 positive T cells, or um, uh, perhaps uh, uh, looking for the interferon gamma signature, which is um, a functional signature rate that stands for the activated T cells in the tumor. And all of them are predictive, but none of them is perfect. And um, I liked really the way you asked about what will benefit the field, because even if you look at such a relatively simple test of surveying PD-L1 positivity inside the tumor. There are different antibodies and different tests, diagnostics, right, that have been developed by different companies, and they have different sensitivities. So it's, and and, and different companies use different thresholds for positivity. So it's often impossible to compare that in meta-analysis in a really good way. So the field would greatly benefit if, if there would be a consortium or a large company that will actually undertake uh, an effort to try and look for patient populations that have huge myeloid infiltration, huge NK cell infiltration. Maybe particular fibroblast types, et cetera, and use that to monitor how therapies in development do. Because mm-hmm. if we had that effort, in addition to developing new therapies in a more centralized and collaborative way, I think we will all be ahead, really, mm-hmm. by coming out with much, much better predictors. Because monitoring just PDL 1, right? will not help a therapy that does not touch PD-1, PD-L1 pathway.
1: Well, we've covered a lot of ground today, and one of the things we haven't talked about yet is this uh, exciting area of macrophage checkpoint modulators, which I think Verso is now involved with and advancing pretty quickly. And I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about that category of target and also something about your program and how things are going with that.
2: Absolutely, and I'm excited to do that. Being one of the co-founders of Brusso, I'm obviously extremely passionate about this, and I do believe that there is future in modulating myeloid populations, both in cancer and beyond. And specifically in cancer, we're truly talking about 75% or so patients who have very significant infiltration of myeloid cells inside the tumor microenvironment and as i have mentioned before by the time the tumor has formed those are inhibitory cells however while being inhibitory it now becomes increasingly obvious that they actually are not passive so they they still know and present the antigens that are present in the microenvironment but they present it in a suppressive fashion so in a way they're just telling The rest of the immune system, there is not much to worry about, just leave us alone, and thereby they enable the tumor growth. Mm -hmm. So, if we could actually use those cells that are already in the tumor, already aware of what's happening around them, but change the polarity of their presentation, right? So, now that they will talk in an activating fashion, right, to the immune system. Uh, about what what they know and see, I think that that, that really has, um, that that the, it will have an impact, right? And I hope it will have a pretty big impact. So at Verso, we have started with identifying targets and many of them were not known to have this functionality. And we have already uh, released the name of PSG01 for which we have, our first development program, and we have recently nominated the second development program. Both of them based uh, on monoclonal antibody technologies. So hopefully we'll start moving towards that. And uh, right, and uh, I'm very happy to see that perso is not alone in recognizing that myeloid cells are very important. There is talk about that from leaders in the field, from larger pharma. So. I think that together we can really make a difference, and I would certainly hope that Verso will be part of that effort and an important part of that effort.
1: Well, it's been fun to watch you go through the experience of developing this program and seeing that I think every time I talk to you now, you get busier and busier, which I think is a sign of great progress, so congratulations on that. and. Thank you for your time today. This has been a really interesting conversation. I've learned a lot, and i look forward to talking with you again soon. Uh,
2: thank you so much, Kent. It has been really a pleasure to know you and to collaborate on a couple projects. Uh, and this has been a, a fun conversation, and I hope that some of those themes, right, and maybe some predictions will play out in the next couple of years, and we'll watch out for how it will really lead to results that really matter for patients.
0: Thank you for joining us on The Chain. Tune in next time for more conversations about science, research, and exploring the world of protein engineering.